<laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Hello everyone, it's Thursday night, it's my Friday night because I'm off work tomorrow at a friend's wedding, congratulations to Ryan and Lucy for that. Gully, how are you feeling? What's going on with Wolf at the moment? Mate, honestly, um, well I'm feeling pretty uh, rattled at the moment, thanks to the M40, but uh, less, about, less said about that is the better. Um, well, it's, it's good to have an international break over with, frankly, um, I've been pretty... Uh, frustrated by that although the cricket was it was a nice little watch uh, for me anyway um during that period um but nice to get that one in there I, I had to get that one in there i'm looking forward <laughs> to kick off tomorrow morning for for that as well so that'd be nice but um yeah i, I mean we're all excited for the second phase of, of bruno's kind of introduction to the team and i think the that season starts this weekend it i think well, i think it's already started i'm already optimistic i'm already happy about it um the results the goals the points start this this weekend i think that's the point to make what was your thoughts on the jeff she interview that came out um in the athletic the other day seemed to make quite quite a lot of common sense a lot of people thought there was a lot of hocus pocus propaganda pr what was your opinions on the piece yeah it seemed to stir a little bit of uh of, of fire within the fan base again but i do i do think that it was a strange thing to do so soon um and uh, for for that you know, fair play to him for actually coming and kind of fronting up a little bit about it but um some of the comments i mean when they mentioned that ffp wasn't really a factor you know does that mean that they are kind of uh, penny pinching a little bit at the moment we understand obviously Fosman, Fosman as an investment company are gonna you know think about all the factors involved in a transfer um but ultimately what you take from that is we made an effort it didn't quite come to fruition and bruno ultimately had the final say on things what's your thoughts on the weekend on in regards to raul jimenez it's still not been confirmed where we'll be featuring in the game due to the sanctions by fifa and wolves not allowing him to go on international duty to Mexico. Uh, do you think we'll fare without him? What, what would your sort of game plan be without him? What's your front three? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm surprised we've not heard anything at this late stage because I was listening to the Express and Star podcast in the car on the way home just now and they expected some kind of statement from the FA, FIFA and whatnot. But it, it, it leaves everyone in a little bit of limbo, doesn't it? I mean, Wolves are probably in training today and tomorrow, preparing for the game as you would, you know, and who's going to be in that starting 11 team and who's going to be in that kind of subs reserves team. So um, not great. And um, hopefully we find out soon, but I, I think we go like for like, really, if, if it is the case that Jimenez is out, I like to see Fabio chucked in there. I think we need a central striker in that three, four, three shape. And I think he's the kind of player who would thrive on the amount of activity we've had in the final third as well. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. My my personal opinion would be um, play a Dharma Central, and maybe bring Paulinson on the on, on the on the wing. I feel like okay. Paulinson deserves a, a start now. He's fit. He's obviously one of our more flair creative players. I think that's just Troy Dharma down the middle. I know it hasn't worked in the hundred times that we've tried him before, but. We've got nothing to lose, really. You could start Huang up front, but I think with him being jet lagged yeah. from South Korea in national duty, it might be a bit of a difficult one. Let's get straight into the game the weekend, and we've got a very special guest um, with us tonight, Miles Jacobson, OBE. <laughs> Do you ever get it's, bored of that uh, bit at the end, Miles? It it just makes me laugh every time I hear it. Um, it was it was a while ago now. I mean, look, such a massive honour. Um, to to get that for for the work that we've been doing on a game but at the end of the day am i allowed to swear on here by the way or not I, I, every time i've been asked this question whether it be by alex ray um other guests you can swear all you fucking want miles Sorry. I'm, I'm just a little shit from watford at the end of the day um <clears throat> so you know when when i got 
when I got that letter, um, I actually missed a Watford game because of that letter, because I was darting out of the door to go to the football, and the letter was there, and it's like, okay, this is a bit weird, and I opened it up, and then I paced around my house for what I thought was about five minutes, and it turns out it was over an hour. So, wow. uh, so, so I would have missed, I would have missed kickoff, but yeah, the, the, the nanny Liz effect <laughs> and a, an incredible honor. And my mum and my sister had a lovely day out at the palace, which I'll, uh, tell, I'll tell you now, Miles, if you was a Wolves fan, you know, you'd have had a load of people giving you shit for that as well, for missing the game for the OBE. How could you oh, do I, that? I, absolutely. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't miss many. I think in the, in the five years before, before the pandemic started, I've missed four or five games home and away home and away I'd um in the days when I, I I used to fly quite a lot for work I'd be out in South Korea and China quite a lot for work and I actually flew back from China for a West Ham away game and then went back to the airport and flew back to China again can we um, do you know the result what was the result on that occasion um we lost um we lost I think, two, I think it was a 2-1 loss so it, it wasn't the easiest plane journey back <laughs> um, but I'm a little bit more eco-friendly than that now, so uh, I don't fly nearly as much and, and plant trees when I do, but um, but didn't back in those days. But anyway, thank you very much for having me on today. By the way, um, no, the, the privilege is all ours. Obviously, you're uh, you've you've released the the release date for the new football manager that's coming out in November. Yeah, it's it's been it's been quite a busy day. I woke up with um with a hangover with a hangover one of my first hangovers for a while um it was the sports industry awards last night which is always a really good event and they made it really safe and secure i've i've been being very careful during the pandemic because my mum's in a nursing home so i can't get covid because if i get covid i can't go and visit my mum it's as simple as that but they they made it really secure last night and had a great night but yeah it was a, a little bit rough this morning um Thank you, McDonald's, for, for still having breakfasts <laughs> available. Um, and um, and yeah, then we were announcing this afternoon, so it's been it's been quite a busy day. But um, but great to have the release date out there, and, and great to finally be able to tell people as well that there is an FM twenty two, because until we've officially announced, you can't presume anything. The team have been working so hard um, at the studio to to get the game out and we'll start talking about features in the next couple of weeks. But what's more important today is the the Watford Wolves game on on Saturday. And you know what you were saying just there about um about uh Jimenez, we've we've got the same problem with our key centre back, Siri Alta. We don't yeah. we don't know yet whether he can play or not. So um Where, where's he from, sorry Mars? Chile. Chile. Hmm. Okay. So um so yeah, like a like for like, if you like, because you know Jimenez is such an important player for you, and it would be Sirielta. I would have thought he'd be marking him because he's he's as much of an animal as uh, as Jimenez is. That it's a battle that I, I hope they both play because I'm really looking forward to seeing that battle. I think it will be fascinating. Wolves and Watford have got um, a, a quite a strong link with regards to the former England manager Graham Taylor. Can you just tell our listeners how? your sort of origins into the football manager world came about. I believe it was because of Graham Taylor and the work he did in the community. Yeah, well, Graham, I would never have been allowed to go to a game of football if it wasn't for Graham Taylor. So my, my mum and dad didn't like football um, and and didn't like would be uh, a very toned down version of it. So um, I got into football when I was about six or seven and a lot of it was because of the maths behind it I've always been a maths nerd Tim pointed that out when he was on talking about United the other week and um decided that I wanted to go and see my local club I grew up in Watford and my dad wouldn't take me but um I think it's my seventh birthday my mum agreed to take me to a game but she literally she agreed to take me because of the family club thing and because of what what Graham Taylor and and Elton um, to some degree, and a lady called Anne Swanson, who worked very closely with Graham, did, in that they made football, um, they made football a place where my mum was all right with taking me. And my mum sat there and she she read Women's Weekly or whatever it was, and did the the Evening Standard crossword. But the the woman, uh, there was a family sitting behind us um, at the ground, and my mum was a nursery school teacher, 
and the woman sitting behind was the policewoman on the um on the estate area where, where i grew up and she leant over and just said to my mum you don't look like you're enjoying this very much and my mum said no i'm not it's like well if your son ever wants to come again you can come with me and that was the thing with watford is my mum immediately was yeah okay i know you i don't have to come anymore so yes you know miles can go along with you and it's that community spirit that that graham put in there that took us from being you know when graham took over we were in we were in the old yeah we we, we were in what what would now be league two <laughs> and we went all the way up and then graham left and we went all the way back down again and then he came back and we went all the way up again and then down a little bit and then back up so graham graham someone that i got to know in the last few years of his life and um he was an incredible man um so much passion he he changed football because at, at that at that point you know I'm, I'm proper old so at that point it was the late 70s and the football hooliganism problem was a massive massive problem at that time without people like graham turning around and going no that you know football should be for everyone watford wouldn't be anywhere near where they are now um i would not have got into football i would not have ended up doing what i do for a living which is make a computer game for me that it just so happens a couple of million people really enjoy playing as well um and we, you know we've managed to build the company out of that so um but graham was so wise and, and gave me um gave me loads of words of wisdom while i got to know him and i'm, I'm still um I love Rita to bits, uh, his his wife and and the kids. Um, they're they're an incredible family, and and obviously, you know, it didn't work out for him at Wolves the same way as it did for him at Watford and Villa. But um, but I hope you appreciated him as much as as much as we did as a as a man, not just not just for yeah. The football. I think at the time it was um, Jack Hayward's biggest regret that he actually sacked him at the time that he did a lot of i mean i i, I wasn't really of age to to appreciate that um that era but a lot of fans go back and think you know what if we we'd maybe given him another season or so we could be you know a well-established club in in the premier league at this point so um yeah always held in really really high regard by wolves fans for sure you'd be, you'd be surprised miles but i'm actually older than gully so i remember that era very well and i think it was quite um, reckless by Sir Jack getting rid of Graham Taylor at that point. I know there was a story that I've heard on another interview of yours where you mentioned you wrote Graham Taylor a letter. Oh, yeah. I did wow. the same thing as a, a young Wolves fan. I actually wrote a letter to the FA complaining about Steve Ball getting sent off. So I think we had that. We, 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 we weren't afraid of writing our, our pieces to the uh, the authorities back in the time. But do you want to tell your story? Yeah, so so I wrote a letter to Graham. I'd, I'd saved up. I've been saving up my pocket money and I've been doing loads of loads of odd jobs and saved up the money to go to a game. And I, I think it was against Palace, if I remember correctly. And we won 4-1. Uh, sorry, we lost 4-1. And there was only one player who'd really tried or who I felt had tried that day. He was a, a, a young player we had called Rob Thomas. So I sent a letter to Graham just saying, you know, <clears throat> I saved up all my pocket money and then I came along and it, it didn't hurt that we lost. What hurt was that the players, I didn't feel the players were trying. And then, and this is in the days way before the internet, way before football club databases or anything like that. There was a phone call to my house a few days later. Um, and I must have been like 10 or 11 at the time, something like that. And there was a phone call and, and my mum picks up the phone and says, Miles, it's, it's someone called Graham on the line. And it's, oh, I didn't know who that was and, and picked up the phone and said, hi, is, is that Miles? And I went, yeah. And it's like, hi, it's Graham Taylor here. And I was like, yeah, right. Um, even at that age, I thought someone was winding me up. And so I, I laughed and went, I got your letter. And that's when I knew that it was him. And basically, he asked me if he could read out my letter in the dressing room as the pre-match team talk for the next game to try and get right. the players teed up and let me know that he was going to do it. And, and obviously, I gave him permission. But, you know, he must have looked up my surname in, in the old phone book 
or something wow. like that because there's no way that the club would have had had mum or dad's number so they must have looked it up and got it through that way but it just shows again how much he cared um about everyone that was involved in the club and and those little things i mean they they certainly help endear you to uh to someone when something like that happens um i don't know whether wolves were doing the same but during the pandemic um watford had a bunch of current and ex-players who would be phoning up some of our older supporters just to check that they were okay in yeah. in lockdown and that's the kind of thing that that graham would have loved and a lot of the spirit of graham lives on in the club because uh, a few people who work behind the scenes at the same age as me basically grew up in that era and got to know him pretty well and they kept that going so even though we have the Pozzo family as a club ownership now and, and Scott Duxbury as our CEO. It was very clear that when they took over the club, they wanted to keep that spirit going. They weren't going to change that. So there were a bunch of people behind the scenes who stayed the same, who make sure that those things happen with Gino and Scott's full support. Um, and, you know, I know that um, that one of the when Foson took over Wolves, one of the things that they said at the at the time was how important Wolves was to the community in Wolverhampton, and they've kept that going as well up there. And and you know, I, I think they're doing a pretty good job. You're you're back in the Premier League, which is where you belong, and and you're staying up there at the moment. So. You'll uh, you'll incite a riot if you start telling everyone they're doing a good job, Miles. But fan base that got Graham. Uh, the sack is still strong. They've just got older and a bit more um, uh, trigger-happy on social media with the comments. <laughs> yeah. okay, well, they, they can come and have a go at me. I, I think Wolves, I, I'm, I'm, I might only be little, but I'm quite good on, on people uh, attacking me on social media. Um, I, Wolves fans, should be pretty happy with being in the position that they're in and obviously wanting more. Every football club supporter wants more, but... For the for the years that I remember of you not being in the top flight, you're back there now, and you know I do think that you belong there, um, and hope it continues for for a long time as long as we stay up as well. We need more clubs with W in the Premier League. Don't Absolutely. We? Well, to be yeah, fair, Mark, we I mean, we've got... been in the Premier League, so we don't start a season <laughs> bottom. Yeah, we've, we've we'll be all right, Miles. Whatever happens, because we've got Fabio Silva up front, and he's an absolute sure thing, isn't he? So uh... we we still look. He's <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure that's a little dig, but uh, no, uh, no, it's not. I think we all we we all really like him as a player. He's very young and very wet behind the ears, but we he's do got see so much talent. And mm. you know, our our scouts on we've we've been watching him for a long time, so we were part of that part of that hype train, if you like, with him. But I think he's a fantastic young player and um, needs to play. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how much football he does get this season. You mentioned earlier that you haven't missed many home games or away games over the years. Back when you were sort of beta testing for Championship Manager and you were working with a team like this, the likes of Darren Baisley, yeah. Paul Robinson, yeah. Gifton, Noel Williams. What, what was your memories of Watford and, and did you ever travel to Wolves back in the day? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I actually had some trouble at Wolves. Once. Oh, that's unlike Wolves and Watford. Um, so, uh, again, it was, it was around my birthday. And um, I, me and my mate AD have the same birthday, and I wished him a happy birthday when coming outside the grounds, and he wished me a happy birthday back. And um, someone shouted very loudly, Cockney, and then C word at me, which even though I will swear, that's not a word I like to yeah. use. Um, and I'd probably had a few drinks at the time and I thought I was very funny saying back, well, if I'm a Cockney C word, because Watford, people from Watford aren't Cockneys, right? That yeah. makes you a brummy wanker. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> and I thought I was just being funny. It's like play along with it. Um, didn't go down very well. And uh, I learned that day that I can actually run quite fast for a couple <laughs> of miles and then uh, I managed to hide in a car park somewhere. Um, so, 
if, if any Wolves fans want to start any songs about uh, me running away, yes, I absolutely did because I didn't <laughs> want to get my head kicked in. Um, but uh, I've learned not to make that same mistake again. I think I, I mentioned there. to Gully off air, Miles, that um, I'm probably one of a small few that you might tear over in regards to hikes. I think you're only what, five foot six. Have you mentioned before? I'm five, six and a half. Five, six half and a half. That's what it is. You don't forget that, um, that Nike Air Max uh, <laughs> heel. Yeah. So, yeah, you need you need to, to move those legs pretty quickly back then. Absolutely. Um, but but every other time I've been there, I've, I've had a, a good time. I know that there has been some trouble in the yeah. past. And what happened with one of our supporters was um, yeah. horrific. And I know that a lot of Wolves fans, or most Wolves fans, absolutely agree with us on that. So... Um, but you know, beyond that, everything at the semi-final was relatively friendly, I think, until until the final goal went in. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, I, I love travelling around the country. I love meeting new people. So um, so I always always try my best to say hello to anyone who says hello to me. You did describe yourself as the luckiest bastard in the world on one interview is that right i mean we've discussed this before we obviously we do this wolves podcast hourly with the social media content that we, we put out and it's it is a privilege to just to get a little bit of money to talk about football going back to the beta testing days and before that um when you were working at food records you came across tim vigon what you sort of memory? Tim was a great um, guest for us on the Man United preview yeah, show. What, what you sort of memories from that? What what sort of what musicians have you worked with in the past that have been really into football? I know you worked with uh, Damon Albarn and Blur, and he's a, I did. He's a Chelsea fan, isn't he? I worked with Blur. I worked with Jesus Jones. Um, I worked with a band called Dubstar, the Blue Tones. Um, great band, Blue Tones. Then, then Fatboy Slim and a band called Biss and um, a bunch of other stuff. I was I was really lucky and. Um, I I still don't know whether I met Tim before I was working at Food or after, because I reckon I first met Tim when I was working in a record shop in Watford. And I got the job in that record shop. I, I was working in a burger place called Quick Burger, and we got bought by Burger King, and everyone got made redundant. And I went and spent my redundancy money in the local record shop and bought a bunch of records that the people who worked in the record shop didn't like. But other people were buying and they turned around and went do you want a job because we don't understand any of this music it was all the indie stuff at the time we don't understand this we need someone who can help us understand it and i'd literally just been made redundant so so I went yes and um when i was working in the record shop i got paid nothing right it was 10 15 quid a day something like that but but as many records as you could take home and you got into concerts for free so happy days um so i started going to a lot of gigs then and, and there were bands like um emf um carter the unstoppable sex machine uh the senseless things bunch of indie bands in in the um in the late 80s um and there would be crews of us that would go together so there was um a group of us who would go to carter gigs and i'd go and sell t-shirts at carter gigs because i had a little fanzine that i was doing um at the time and i'd sell it behind there and would sell them t-shirts and because there were these little crowds you kind of had sometimes the stone roses crowd would turn up sometimes the happy mondays crowd would turn up and then you'd have the carter crowd and you'd all end up at each other's gigs and all get to know each other so i don't know if i first met tim through that when he would have been um hanging around with the roses or whether it was when i was first at food but we just kept it bumping into each other at gigs and you know he was a he was a cheeky mank um and i was a a southern soft a southern softy um but we both just had a love of music and knew how lucky we were to be working in the industry on the peripheries of it you know tim with the stuff that he was he was managing he might have been me doing some pr stuff at the time and, and me with the stuff at food. And what's weird is we never worked together. We never actually worked on a band together in all the years, because I was in music for about 12 years. He's obviously still in music now. 
And in all those years, we never worked together, but would just bump into each other at gigs and um, meet up for drinks before. And um, he's really close to one of my best mates, a guy called Jeremy, um, Jeremy Thomas. Um, and yeah, we just stayed in touch over the years. And obviously he's now in the US and I'm over here. But when the streets played in London a couple of years ago, got to say hello to him at, at the streets gig at Brixton. And thanks to the podcast, next time he's over, um, we're, me and him are going out for dinner. So I'll have a proper catch up then rather than just bumping into each other at a gig. So uh, it's, it's ridiculous how, how the world spins Mars because purely because of me being a fanboy of the streets is how I came across Tim and now this is how we are today you just talked about sort of some of the bands there and the 90s was a magical time not just for music but for football with the influx of premier league um money this player he wasn't bad he wasn't bad was he where do you sort of rank him in regards to the the greats of football so that was Ronaldo for our audio listeners. You, you have to you have to look at these things a bit dispassionately when you're thinking about this because football's changed a lot. So when when Troy left Watford the other week and, and Troy Troy is a legend on the pitch and off the pitch as far as I'm concerned, um, he's someone that I would run through brick walls for, and I know he would for me as well. And people say, oh, you know, what's Watford's who would you play? Would you play Luther Blissett or would you play Troy Deeney? And the answer is, well, you play them both because they'd actually be a really good partnership. But one of them is kind of a target man striker and the other was a goal poacher. Ronaldo had all of the skill and all of the talent um, that you could possibly have. But he maybe didn't work as hard as as some other players. So Cristiano Ronaldo, for me is the hardest working footballer of all time. And that's why he's reached the the heights that he got to. But he's not the most skillful footballer of all time. Ronaldo would be up there with a Leo Messi, with a Pele, with a Cruyff, as someone who just had that absolute natural, natural talent. Um, whereas Cristiano would be would be a hard worker. I'll tell you, like a, a, another player, and obviously not of the talent uh, of Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, but another player who's worked incredibly hard that I always admired is the Wolves hero, Steve Ball, who wasn't the most talented player of all time, but he worked so hard to get the best possible career and to score the most goals, as many goals as he possibly could. Um, and I, I admire, I really admire players like that, possibly more than the players that are naturally gifted, because I've had to work very hard to be able to do what I do. What's the saying yeah. about hard work beats talent? I think a, a combination of the two is is a killer thing. Always but, helpful, isn't it? <laughs> but you, you could be the most talented person in the world, and if you don't if you don't work hard, you're just going to waste it. So, I think it, it goes, goes. Sorry, sorry, oh, Miles. Yeah, um, I mean, it kind of goes back to the point. And I know, you know, you guys might get a little bit of stick on some of these this kind of subject when you you talk about the Wonder Kids and you know all these players that are picked out from a very young age to go and make the promised land of the, the top level of football and all that. You know, yes, we're all playing a, a computer game, but it's just that those intangibles are where. The difference is always going to be made, isn't it? And and that that's where, you know, people probably need to appreciate how much it, it takes to get from that stage to the top of the game. Absolutely. I mean, look, our, our scouts have a ninety nine percent strike rate, and I'm sure pretty much every football club would like to have that same strike rate. But we do get some wrong as well. But there are also some, and you know, when when you go back to showing the screens of some of those early games, I think Cherno Samba is one of the best known players from that era of a player that we tipped to be really successful who didn't Mike make it. Uh, and but Cherno will turn around now and Cherno he's written a book about it. Yeah. About how yes he did have that talent and he wasted it. And um and he absolutely he absolutely did. He 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 was a baller. Um 
and just you you, you would have you would have saw this guy it. playing when he was sort of in his teens. Yeah, um, you I yourself. Think, um, so Cherno, I first saw when he was about seventeen, eighteen. But we have researchers at each club, so um, you know, I'm not regularly watching Wolves under 18s, but we have somebody who is. Yeah, um, we've got over a thousand scouts around the world looking at the men's game. We've just started building up the women's research team now because we've said we're going to be adding women's football to Football Manager. So we've got over a thousand scouts around the world in 52 countries and regions. Um, we have head scouts in in all of those countries that that they report into, and the idea, the dream, is to have one person at each club down to conference north and south level who is watching the youth team, the under twenty threes, and the first team regularly. But when it comes to the Premier League stuff, um. It's great that we have the researchers, but it, it's a lot easier when it comes to the Premier League because so many of the games are on the telly. So that's where the youth side of things and the under-23 side of things really comes into play because we need to know whether someone is going to make it when they're 16. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, to kind of draw a bit of a kind of comparison between... I mean, you could legitimately probably point out that as, as a single entity... You know, you guys at Football Manager have probably the widest reaching network of scouts of any of any kind, regardless of football clubs or whatever, you know, in, in, in essence. And I mean, what modern day Watford are a really interesting case, I think, of a network of football clubs. I know we all know about the links with the Pozzo family and Udinese and Granada. Used to be um, Granada. They don't have Granada anymore. They don't have Granada. Okay. My research wasn't 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 quite on point there unfortunately no, they, I'll, never get, I'll, I'll never get a job for football manager no, they, they used they used to they used yeah. to run granada as well in the family but they sold it a couple of years ago but then i mean as an interesting kind of case study um and i think we're seeing teams kind of going that way walls have actually got a link up with like grasshoppers in 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 uh, switzerland now as well yep. what would one of the first to kind of really go down that route weren't they well, yeah, I mean, it was it was the Potsai family who did it first. So when when they bought Watford, they had Udinese and Granada, and they were looking for an English team, and they looked at a few English teams. They wanted to be in or around the M25. Um, I believe they looked at Reading as well at the time. Um, but we were in real danger of going out of business when Gino bought the club. It was one of those things of... You know, I was getting phone calls from people saying, we've got a week to sort this out. Um, and our previous owner um, had, he basically started sacking people. Any, anyone who disagreed with him would just get sacked. So I was getting those phone calls as, as well. And it was really touch and go. Um, but I knew that the Potsos were looking at Watford and I was passing information to them. Um, through somebody that I knew about the players, about some of the players that were coming through, about why Watford would be a good club for them to buy. Wow, so I, I was pretty confident that that was that that was going to happen. And then then they came on board, and um, I hadn't met Scott Duxbury, um, who's the the chief exec and, and now chairman at the club. I hadn't met him before the purchase, but I went out for lunch with him, and over lunch we did a sponsorship deal. So that year, you know, the year that they took over, we have football manager on the front of the shirts. For me, you know, as as a as a lifelong supporter of them, seeing my name on the shirt every week, that was yeah, that yeah. Pretty, this was one of our talented. later points to bring up, Mars. Obviously, when you back even when you're doing the you know, seven, ten years old down at Vicarage Road, did you ever think you'd be sponsoring Watford and and Jennifer Aniston wearing your shirt. <laughs> did that ever that come in, in any sort of periphery of your dreams? Chris Stark did a very good job with Jennifer Aniston and Mila Kunis as well. Um, and, and me with Franco. Thankfully, thankfully, we brought in a manager who was a similar height than me. Because if, if that had been a picture of Black <laughs> she's you know, would have been towering over us. But no, never, never thought anything like that would happen. It's all ridiculous. My whole life has been ridiculous um you mentioned it earlier you know I'm, I'm incredibly lucky 
to get to do what I do in, in both of my careers. The idea of me working in the music industry was ridiculous. And then, and you know, the idea of doing what I do now is even more ridiculous. But even on, even on the football side of things, why, why someone like me at the Sports Industry Awards? It's, it's like this massively prestigious awards thing. And I, I was walking up there yesterday going, you know, this is bonkers that I'm even there, even here. How did I even get invited? And then remembered I was actually a judge. So, uh, but, but again, that's ridiculous as well. And um, I've been incredibly lucky and, and have had some, some great moments. Unfortunately, I wasn't there when the shirt was presented to Jennifer Aniston. Um, Chris, Chris Stark was the person who got those honours, yeah. who, who's a lovely bloke. Um, for, the, for those who listen to him on Radio 1, he really is like that when he's off the radio as well. <laughs> um, still hangs out with his same mates that he grew up with. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be lucky to have become one of those mates over the last 10 years to get to hang out with him and his crew. Did you meet Chris Gully? Chris Stark. Where would I have met him? I, I thought Chris Stark did a feature with, with the fan cast before the FA Cup semi-final. Oh, no, I don't think I was part of that. I was a bit merry for it to be. No, I, I was hanging out my ass actually before the, the, the FA, the semi-final. Um, if I'm being honest, uh, which made it all the more depressing when uh, when we conceded those goals in the last few minutes. <laughs> if it's any consolation, all right, because I, I know how upset Wolves fans were after that semi-final, particularly as you were dominating the game until, until you know, we brought on Delefeu. That was a massive turning point for Watford in a negative way, that win. If you look at us after that win, I don't think we won for the rest of the season. We, we were both fighting for seventh place, wasn't we? Yeah. At one point, yeah. yeah. And I we, think it, we, we almost turned the other way. In, to a certain extent. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we started going to free fall and then that carried on the next season. And then yeah. we end up getting relegated. So that... I kind of... Look, I, I loved cup final even though we got absolutely battered in the cup final from city and um you know there's a lot of people very upset our supporters at the cup final were incredible even at five nil down they were still singing their hearts out and we i, I was sitting with the people who ended up becoming our shirt sponsors and we we thought like we've been battered here. There's no way they're going to come aboard. And they actually turned around and went because of your supporters and because of the because uh -huh. of what they did when that fifth goal went in. We want to be front of shirt next season. So, yeah. um, you know, well well done to, to the fans for that. But um, we made some mistakes after the cup final as well. We we had some players who um, there were pretty big offers for them. Um, and we said no, because we were like, right, we're going to be best of the rest. We just got to the cup final. We're going to be best for the best of the rest. And we broke the club policy. We, we broke the whole thing of the club, which is we bring players in that other people don't fancy. We show the world that they're actually really good players. And then we sell them for a lot of money. And that, that is our supposed business model. And we didn't do it that summer. And um, and you know, people at the club will say will say the same thing. There was there's at least one player that we should have sold that we kept in, who then didn't really perform the next season. And yeah, so that post that semi final, we were we were kind of in free fall after who, that. Who was that player? Saw? No, no, no. Saw Saw's still with us. Yeah. No, no, but you, you didn't like sort of Liverpool were trying to poach him, but obviously in the end you, you kept him. No, so, so, so I was quite happy. This it's a player that's since left the club. I don't really think it's fair for me to say who it is. Okay. Um, okay. So, so and we I'm were not, afraid to ask you about the new features. Yeah. <laughs> you won't you won't get anything out of me on the new features. So Oh um, man, looking for the big scoop there. Looking yeah, for the they're, big scoop. they're coming in a couple of weeks. I have to be really careful with that stuff now. Yeah, um, of particularly Understandable. Particularly is, um, I'm, I'm really excited about it all. Really, really excited. But yeah. um but yeah, I'll I'll get I'll get into too much trouble if I start revealing that stuff now. 
I mentioned to you on Twitter, Mars, obviously I've been doing a, a bit of research, going all the way back to listen to Jesus Jones, his first album. Is um, I mentioned, I've heard you mention this on another interview. Is this guy in the next game, Miles? Uh, he's not. He's not allowed in the game anymore. Um, so ev- most people from the studio get get to be in the game, right? I've never been in there under my proper name. Um, the one year that they persuaded me to go in, it was as Miles Bloke. So um, when I was in the music industry, um, everyone in the music industry is a bit weird, right? So I didn't use my surname because there weren't any other people called Miles apart from the bloke out of the police and everyone knew who he was. (laughs) So I was just Miles and they were like, oh, you know, we want to put your name in there. And it's like, I'll just put me down as Miles Bloke because I'm just a bloke. So yeah, Miles Bloke, I was a pretty good scout and a not bad assistant manager in the game, but I've never been there, never been in there as a player. And whilst most people in the studio do add themselves, I don't really get it. I don't I don't understand why why they want to be in there. But um but it's all good for them if they want to be. But no, my Miles Bloke uh, retired a long time ago, apart from in my own save games at home. So oh, I'm, still, I'm still Miles Bloke in the game when I'm playing it. <laughs> On the renowned editor, editor section. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't need to use the editor for that. I just put Bloke in as my surname. There you go. Oh, yes, right, yes, yeah. yeah, set yourself up as a manager then. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you've been doing this for oh, well over a decade now. What's 28. sort of your, your, your balmy stories that have come through the game? And there's, there's like little ones. Or, or, everyone's done the FA Cup suit. Um, I, I read the other day about a guy who set one of his bins on fire in his garden to, to um, give the effect of a Galatasaray Cup game. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Uh, there's people who uh, who shake hands with the doorknob <laughs> before games. Um, there's all there's just so many weird stories. And um, people who have cats as their assistant manager. They, they're always very popular on social media. Pictures yep. of a cat walking across a keyboard. Um, they don't do the press conferences, though. Well, uh, the cats. No, you'd, you'd hope not. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why they're asking the assistant to do it, and the cat just meows. and then <laughs> there you go. It would make sense to some of the uh, managerial comments that they um, divert the uh, journalists away from. Absolutely. But um, for me... I always love the stories that come from from people inside the game, and and we we first we first realised that we become part of football when Andre Villas Boas, who at the time was Chelsea's chief scout, this is before he was a manager, he was Mourinho's chief scout, and they just brought in a couple of players that people hadn't heard of over here, and the Evening Standard go go to him, where did you find these players? And his answer was, well, I, I play a lot of championship manager and started going into how him playing championship manager had actually got him involved in football. And we were just like, oh, OK, this is interesting. And then found that loads of people in football were 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 playing it. And they were like, you know, you, you've been managing a football club during the day and then you go home in the evening and play a computer game about managing a football club. Has, has um, that ever kind of transposed into becoming a bit an unofficial kind of relationship of, of some kind, or do they just of their own accord? Um, we so we have over two thousand footballers who are alpha testers of the game. Okay, right. So they get the game a little bit early, and we want feedback and we want feature suggestions, and um, we never reveal who they are because we don't have commercial deals with them. But they range from Ballon d'Or nominees down to youth team players in in the conference. Um, and to be able to get onto the list, you have to be recommended by another footballer who's on the list. Okay. There's no other way to get on it. So if anyone's listening, don't reach out to me on Twitter. The answer is no. <laughs> everyone, everyone who's on the list knows how to get people added to the list. Andy and Andy Casamol that- left the chat. <laughs> and then that's grown that's grown over the years to include coaches and managers but um there are clubs who license our database from us um there are clubs that will reach out saying that they're looking for certain positions can we recommend them five players 
to play in those roles. So we built up incredible relationships behind the scenes. And again, part part of my luck is there are half a dozen countries in, in Europe and a few outside Europe that if I'm in that country and I want to go to a training session, I've got clubs that I can phone who will allow me to go right. to go to a training session because we keep everything so secret. We keep the people that we work with so secret that they're never worried about things leaking. Um, yeah. And it, it goes as far now because we've grown a lot as a company. So we've got a lot more people working in the studio now and we're trying to impart more knowledge so that it's not all the football side of things can't just sit with me. We have to spread that round more people in the studio. More people need to be able to see the inside. So we have a, a talk once a month called the Foot Talk which is an internal only conversation and everyone is brutally, brutally honest with us. And they'll allow us to post on social who we've done it with, but we will never, ever give any of the clips out. And through that, I mean, we had Sean Dyche the other month. Troy came in and did one from a player's perspective. Um, we have Mark Warburton there with um, David Weir talking about the relationship between an assistant manager and a manager. Wow. And all of the questions that we ask, um, actually we had a brilliant one the other week, um, uh, Norwich's um, chief te technical scout, which is a pretty new role, and she was utterly incredible. She's from a basketball background and then got involved in football. Um, and the stuff that you can learn from um, from the people that come in and, and do these is huge. And because we keep it all secret, we can ask them, anything and they answer us honestly um yeah. and those the conversations that we have those all end up becoming features in the game incredible that's very special you can just see your enthusiasm when you're talking about it Mars. i mean we all love football at the end of there we could talk about football 24 7. um one of the funny stories going back to daft things coming football manager and josh townsend with his um girlfriend do question why he'd been fine for not turning up for training yeah i mean that's how how big this game has become that it's permeated culture hasn't it almost like it's it's just you know the everyday thing we discussed we, we, it on the on the episode with tim miles that without um trying to be negative towards you and the collier brothers cause a lot of divorces and neglected children it's only 37 in one year, according to Manchester <laughs> Magazine. I would, I, would, I would like to think that there were probably problems in the relationship before uh, before the game came along. But, um, but yeah, you know, you show the Andros Townsend thing there, um, which was him, him and his missus, his missus getting confused because someone had said on social media that he'd been fined in training and it was a screenshot from the game. Um, We've worked with Andros's dad, uh, Troy, for quite a long time because he's heavily involved with Kick It Out, yes. which is an organisation yeah. we've been we've been working with for twenty five years. Um, so you know we knew Andros through that, um, and then then you get things like Antoine Griezmann talking about his game when he's on duty with with the French national he's team. He's on the plane, wasn't he? I think, and he's saying on oh, oh, Newcastle. You're not. Was it Newcastle? I think it was yeah, Newcastle. It's Newcastle. And he turns yeah. around to one of the other players and says, "I've just signed you." And it's like, no, it's too cold there. I don't want to go there. Um, and that got something like a billion views on social media. You know, you've got one eighth of the planet supposedly seeing that. I think then, Diogo Jota was our fo football manager king um, yeah. when he was at Wolves. Massive I, on it. He uh, he did a video with us actually. Yeah. For, for nothing, he just uh, you know, can I do something for you on your social channels? Yeah, of course. But then Telford wasn't he? Yeah, yeah I think Telford Town or United, whatever. And, and then it, yeah. then post the transfer window, the Turkish transfer window is still open, and Besiktas pulled off one of the huge deals with getting Pjanic. To, to go to Turkey, you know, Barcelona still need to get rid of players. And then in their video, in the announcement video, they've got them trying to sign Pjanic as Besiktas on FIFA and Football Manager with the headline, it's much easier, uh, sorry, something along the lines of you couldn't do it in game, but you can do it in real life. 
Wow. And, and then I get some banter going on with Besiktas going, just because you use the in-game editor in real life, <laughs> you use it in-game as well. And then that absolutely explodes. And all of a sudden, I've got a few hundred followers from Turkey um, inviting me to go over to a game at Besiktas and go and have a kebab with them, which I will do when we can when we can properly travel again. <laughs> I'm not one to turn down a kebab ever. So I'm more interested in the kebab than I am the football. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's moments like that when you just sit there and, and go, you know, we've, we've become part of the football culture. Um, and when you look back at the history, you know, that first game was made by two brothers in a bedroom in Shropshire because they hadn't discovered girls, so decided to make a computer game instead. And then somehow they got a deal for it and kind of got ripped off and then met me. And first thing that I did was renegotiated the contract and and then got involved. And I, I worked on the game for free for eight years. The first eight years I was running the studio for free because I was working in the music industry. I was getting paid there. These were my mates. I was helping them out. And then it just got too busy. So. So we went, you know, so I went full time as well. But um it it's just incredible and it's a pretty good conversation starter when you're bumping into people as well. I can imagine. Like, universal you know, language, isn't it? Last night's again this awards do, you know, go outside to get a breath of fresh air and people are like, Oh, so what do you do? And it's oh yeah, I, I make football manager. And it, and then the stories just come come flooding out um i met someone last night from a very popular well i met someone uh, an old journal that i know really well introduced me to he's just got a new job at a very well-known fast food chain and then i'm standing quick burger uh, I, yeah i wish quick burger still existed those big bacon <laughs> burgers were excellent um but you know you're standing there talking and basically they turn around and said so how can we work together and I'm like, I'm not saying who it is because I want to work with them. Um, and you might find out in a few months who it is when we're rolling things out. But you're like, hey, you're one of the biggest names in the world. And you've just asked me how we can work together. It's it's just bonkers. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be checking the red carpet pictures later to try and get a, a scoop on that one. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's bonkers, but it's all good, you know. <laughs> What's the most a... What's the most ridiculous place football managers taken you to this point, Miles? In regards to going to scout a player in Bolivian third division or something like that. So I, I don't really tend to do all that. I think the um, because we've got people on the ground anyway. So I think the the weirdest trips I've had are normally to Turkey or Portugal because when you're going through customs and someone looks at the photo and then looks at you and that says, "I love your game." that's when things are a little bit strange right yeah um so that happens there but i've i, I have got to travel a lot and i mentioned mentioned it earlier i got to go to korea a lot i got to go to china a lot um i get to go to japan every couple of years <coughs> which is a fantastic country it's bonkers but it's fantastic over there um i've yet to go to south america so I've been to Central America, I've been to North America and Central America. I haven't been to South America. So that's somewhere that I will go at some point for football um, for, for a game. But, it's going to um, be like a Boca River Plate game, hasn't it, if you're going to travel there? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, it has to be. That's a bucket list for me, that one. Yeah. But you know, I've, I've, I've been to five Champions League finals. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. how's, that, how's that happened? Um <laughs> And I've got to travel internationally with uh, with England as well, um, which has also been incredible. So, so yeah, very very lucky on that score. Uh, but with Watford as well, you know, I've I've travelled with Watford. We've uh, there were there were many years that basically my holiday would be pre season um, with Watford, and we'd be going to Belgium or Holland or Italy or, or Dublin. Um, actually, another little GT story for you. We were standing outside St. Patrick's Athletics Ground, which is essentially, it's, it had a pub built into it. And the Watford fans were standing outside, everyone with their pints of Guinness. 
and uh, GT walks out, takes the glass out of one of my mate's hands of Guinness, downs the last half a pint and says, right, just want to let you know, and this guy might have actually played for Wolves as well, just want to let you know, we've got this young kid called Stevie Brooker playing today. You won't have seen him before. Um, he's got a really good left foot. be really nice if you had a song ready for him. Oh, and, wow. and a few minutes after, he scores a goal with his left foot, and we had a song ready to go for Stevie Brooker off the back of that. But, um, but yeah, G GT would always come out and say hello to anyone who travelled to any of those kinds of games. He was really appreciative of it. But, um, but yeah, there's a there's a good crowd of us who used to used to go over for those um and and yeah had some fun trips let's quickly get back to what this episode is predominantly about Watford Wolves on Saturday uh, obviously Wolves three games three defeats no goals um Watford but the only home. thing the only thing you didn't score they do against United was score and Tottenham and Leicester, we absolutely, we, I don't know, we, we're not on the board with at least one point in those three games because the chances that we had and the, the football that we've played compared to the last 18 months has been an absolute 360-degree turnaround. Yep. Um, I think that was part of the thing with with bringing in Bruno as the, as the new head coach is that you wanted to be playing a more attacking style and you're definitely doing that. Absolutely. You, Absolutely. It's not a game that obviously Wolves fans are going into expecting to win. What's your sort of thoughts going into the game, Sadie Miles? What, what, what's your expectations for Watford this season? Um, hopefully Scott Duxbury's not watching this. I, I'll bite your arm off for 17th right now. I'll be delighted with 17th. I think there's there's more ambition at the club than that. Um, we'd like to be top yeah. 15, top 15, top 12. Um, not get pulled into the relegation battle. I think we've bought really well. Um, we've brought in some players who other clubs maybe felt they had character flaws. Um, and, you know, as, as a club, uh, our old sporting director who was at West Brom for a bit, a guy called Luke Dowling, was once asked um, at, a, at a fans forum um, why Etienne Capu was so inconsistent at the time when Etienne Capu was playing for us. And he went, well, if Etienne Capu was it was consistent, he'd still be playing at Tottenham. He wouldn't be playing at Watford. And those are the kinds of players that we pick up. So um, Emmanuel Dennis has been an absolute revelation. He was one and a half million euros. Um, probably not as fast as Adama, but not far off. Um, he's going to terrorise people this season. Um and he allegedly fell out with his previous club because on a Champions League trip, someone was sitting in his seat on the team bus and he refused to travel, allegedly. So you wow. never know which of those stories are true. Was it, he's from Belgium, I think. Was did he sign Yeah, he, he was yeah. playing for a Belgian club, yeah. Um, Have you incorporated that into football manager yet? <laughs> scenario? I know you tried to avoid little things like sort of like, um, you know, like, gambling and bribery that sort of thing to keep it like morally it's in, ethical it's in there as a little things request. Like... it's in yeah. there as a feature request but it's also down as there as one that we will probably never do we've got yeah, a few yeah. thousand like that but um so we we bought we bought well um i was very worried when we started losing some of our key players particularly our midfielders um will hughes was a massive player for us and i was gutted that we couldn't work out contract stuff with him but our midfield, if they are fit at the weekend, we've got 200 caps in our midfield three. Um, but we're not really sure who's going to be playing because we don't know if Siri Alta's going to be playing. It looks like Kiko Femenia is out. So we don't know whether he'll play Jeremy Ngakia on the right, who's a young kid we brought in from West Ham, or whether Craig Cathcart, the centre-back, will be playing as a as a, a right-sided full-back again. And... Um, I expect we won't make that decision until we've seen your team sheet and seen seen where Traore is going to be playing, because um, not sure what we would do against his pace. Um, we don't know yet whether Ozan Tufan, who's a new Turkish signing, whether he's going to be up to speed to be able to play. He played for Turkey during the week, um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's he's back or not. Um, 
And we're not really sure whether Emmanuel Dennis is going to be playing on the left or in the centre. Does Josh King play on the left or the centre? Um, and obviously, we've we no longer have our talisman at the club because he he left to go back home to to Birmingham um, towards the end of the window. So it's kind of the start of a new era for Watford uh, against you. Um, in the same as it's a new era for you at the moment with your new head coach being in place um i know i know a couple of people mentioned to me the idea of bringing uh, we had trouble um towards the end of the window as i'm sure you might know but central midfield is a a bit of a hot spot for criticism at the moment and uh someone like musa sissoko i reckon people would have probably taken in a heartbeat at molyneux so i think you've done a pretty decent job of, of signing him i think he's been a fantastic signing particularly given um how small an amount of money it was to bring him in and you know we we kind of we know our place at Watford we're we're not a big six club if we can be bringing in players from the likes of Tottenham that they don't want anymore as we've done with Danny Rose and as we've done with Musa Sissoko that's pretty damn good because they're you know for, for our level they're they're really good players um and he did he did very well on his debut against Spurs. Um, not sure Spurs were happy that we registered him in time for the game, having only sold him to us the day before. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was great to see him playing there. No, uh, no gentleman's agreement there, was there? Uh, or, or we're just not gentlemen. I'm not sure which one it <laughs> yeah. is. Um, the other central midfield that we've got, Kuchik, is looking really, really good, um, as well as this pivot player. And... We lost to Brighton. We lost badly to Brighton. We didn't have a pivot player. And with our formation, that's really important because we will always have a a, a ball-winning midfielder. Then you have the pivot and then you have the box-to-box. So not having that pivot player and, and trying to trying to play Imran. Um, apparently, it's not pronounced loser, but I'm still calling him that until he tells me himself that his name is not pronounced He's loser. meant to be quite a talent, though, isn't he? I, I he, think... he is. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we used to have Isaac's success at the club and that didn't work out. So hopefully losers going to do better than success. Um, where, where, where's your guys' money in regards to the, the, the result on Saturday? If you've if you if you got to put a charitable donation down? Well, I'm not allowed to bet on football, of course, because because uh, people who work in football aren't allowed to. So um, I'll, I'll, again, let's hope Scott isn't watching this. I'll, I'll be quite happy with the draw. I think, um, you know, you, you've started finding your feet um, a bit with the way that you've been playing. Yep, you haven't put the ball in the back of the net, but as I've said, it's the only thing you're not doing. You're very strong in defence. Um, I'm actually pretty impressed with the fact that you managed to hold on to Neves and Cody and Adama during this window. You know, that's that's a successful window if we had those players at Watford, it would be a successful window to be able to hang on to those. Um, I'm hoping for a good game. Um, you've got two very attack-minded sides playing with lots and lots of pace. Um, so our necks are all going to get strained because we're going to be going like that a lot with uh, with the counter-attacking fast uh, fast pace that's going on. We, um, we, we were all complaining of a stiff neck, to be honest, last season. So I think we'll be all right with that. <laughs> um, and we've both got really interesting young head coaches as well at the club. So you'll definitely be in, in your away kit, won't you? Will this be your first time in your away kit? Yep. In yeah, a new one, yeah. Would, are we, do, do we know what we're wearing? The white or the, the grey? I guess the name's tomorrow, doesn't it? I think yeah. we, we may be in the, the third kit, the white. Who knows? Yeah. What's, where's your money uh, on the game Saturday, uh, Gully? I'm, I'm, like we said, I th- I'm expecting us to get off the score sheet for a start, um, and a lot will hinge on how, whether Jimenez starts or not. Um, but I'm hopeful of a two-one win. I said to Gully off air, Miles, that I'd be happy with a score draw on Saturday, purely just to get us on the board on the table and actually get that duck off our back in regards to the fact that we haven't scored after three games. I can't see it being nil-nil. No, I just I, I I can't I can't see that. So I think a score draw is a, a pretty good shout. Miles, really, 
really appreciate you giving us your time this evening. No thanks, great thanks to a lot talk. Obviously, the the connection with Tim was just a, a pleasure <laughs> to to join together. I hope you can arrange a meeting with Tim and Jezza later on in the year after the pandemic. Absolutely, will do. But look, thanks for having me on. It has been really, really interesting um, talking to you. I, I love doing things like this where I can just be me rather than having to be PR version of me. Um, so thanks for inviting me on, letting me do it. And um, good luck for the rest of the season to, to all the Wolves fans. We need teams with W, teams who wear yellow stroke gold, teams with Graham Taylor connections, all welcome in the Premier League. So let's hope we uh, we all stay up and do well. Um, Thank you, Miles. I've got one more question for you, which I hope doesn't sort of, uh, I don't know how to word this, impede on the sort of uh, hashtag Me Too campaign. But in the 2001 championship manager in the thank you section what what part how big a part did janet swallow play in um the, the um, big franchise so janet janet someone whose name i haven't heard for a while um janet worked, extracurricular stuff janet worked at uh at idos who were our publisher at the time and she was responsible for doing a lot of the um the extracurricular stuff the the non-game related deals that we did. So I don't know if it was that year or, or a different year, but there was a time where you could go in and buy a Vodafone phone that came with a copy of Football Manager. And then wow. there was a then there was a deal done with the Telegraph where a demo of the game was given away in yeah. the newspaper. Those were the deals that Janet did. So she was responsible for the Tomb Raider film, for example, which was also, okay. also there. So um, so yeah, we probably didn't think about that wording very carefully. <laughs> there was me just thinking. There was my immature mind thinking these guys were probably late twenties, early first at the time, trying to be a bit funny in the thank you section. Um, we we would have actually that yeah would have been early mid twenties. Um, but Janet Janet was brilliant. Some of the fun, I I love all of those deals. Um, we we did one. One of the favourite deals we'd done when we were at Football Manager was we did one with Nestle cereal. And so you'd walk down the supermarket aisle and you'd have a demo of Football Manager with a box of Cheerios. Um, and the main reason that I loved that was because we got sent boxes and boxes and boxes of Cheerios. <laughs> free cereal, bring it on. That's yeah. that's always a good thing to have. So, yeah, but but Janet, um, Janet was responsible for those and um, was definitely a legend in the industry for some of the things for some of the deals that she did but yes extracurricular stuff i could have probably worded better and that would be something that would have come from me because i'd be the only person that would use stuff in there rather than uh, rather than being a bit more descriptive <laughs> thank you miles thank you gully thanks for everyone to tuning in listening uh onto the wars fancast a part of the 90 minute network thanks to our uh, other sponsors the sports shop kings winford just want to just do a quick mention to the fan base in, in general. We, we lost uh, a Terrace legend on Sunday night, uh, Trevor Ellis, better known as Tyson. Uh, Wolves fans are being asked on the 54th minute to do a round of applause as a mark of respect. And there's also a GoFundMe uh, fundraiser link on our Twitter page to help uh, with regards to his funeral. So uh, rest in peace, Tyson, and everyone have a good weekend and take care of yourself. See you then, guys. <laughs>